First of all, let's welcome our online campus. Let's welcome our Shaw campus. Let's welcome our brothers from Stepping Into the Light Ministries. Awesome. Welcome, guys. Um, I'm getting just a little bit of ring here on the, on the, uh, on the monitors there, David. Um, we want to welcome everybody who's joining us from all locations and everywhere. Uh, Shaw, we love you guys down there. How are things working down at Shaw? Are they doing okay? <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, let me let you know about a couple things that are happening in the next few weeks. Um, we still got a pretty bad ring up here. Um, in the next few weeks on May 5th, Sunday, May 5th, sorry, Wednesday, May 5th, we are having a dream team night. We're going to have a dream team night here at the Tivoli. It's going to be a night for all of our dream team members to come together. We're going to just pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to enjoy God. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to fellowship together. We're just going to chill out here at the Tivoli Theater on Wednesday, May 5th. That's for all of our dream team members. Uh, if you don't know who our dream team is, it is the hundreds of people um, that serve in some capacity at One Family Church. Uh, they serve in some role at One Family Church. And if you want to be a member of the Dream Team um, and you want to come on that night, uh, you can sign up for the Dream Team. You can actually stay after service today. Uh, I'm going to be providing step one service today, uh, one, uh, which is our membership session. And we're going to be um, at this campus, at the U City campus, at the Shaw campus, and online. Uh, so at 1045, 1045, um, Central Time, we're going to be offering Next Steps so you can stick around either at Shaw Online or at U-City and become a member of One Family Church. If you're not sure if you're on the Dream Team, if you like used to be on the Dream Team, or you think you might be on the Dream Team, hit up our Dream Team Director, Carol, at OneFamilyChurch.com, and she'll get you plugged in to the Dream Team. All right? Sound good? Um, and then I want to let you know, um, Mother's Day, we're going to launch two services at the U-City campus. Um, so we're going to be able, there have been a lot of people that have wanted to come and our registration fills up immediately. So on Mother's Day, we're going to start offering two services at U-City campus so that everybody who wants to come can come and be a part um, of that. All right. All good? Okay. Um, last announcement. I don't know if anybody heard, but we bought the Tivoli. We, we bought the Tivoli. Did anybody hear that news? Is that... Um, I don't know if, if, if that came across your news feed. But... Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> it literally every media outlet has covered this story over the last seven days. So um, I don't think I'm sharing any news with you, but uh, we are in the process now and finalizing all of the uh, all of the pieces that it takes to um, to close on a building like this. Uh, and we are super, super excited about it. Super excited for what God is going to be able to do uh, through One Family Church. How many of you know the church is not a building? Did you know that? Just to, I want to be real clear. This is the church. The gathering of followers of Jesus who come together, whether it's online, in a movie theater, at a traditional church building, doesn't matter. Could be at the side of a river, could be in a house, could be in a car. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that's the church. And so uh, that's that's what we are. We are the church, um, and we get to be in a building uh, in order to serve our community through this building. So um, I'll be touching base with you more about that in the coming weeks, um, and I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, offering you an opportunity to partner with God in advancing His ministry through the purchase of this church. What you will not hear me say in the coming weeks, you will not hear me use the word need somebody. I'm going to just have to get you guys involved this morning. Um, 
You will never hear me say, oh, we need you to give money so we can buy this church. You will not, this building, you will not hear me say that. Uh, I will invite you to participate with what God is doing in this city. And it's an opportunity for you to partner with something that is bigger and better than you. I love being a part of this church. I've been, when people have texted me or emailed me this week, hey, congratulations on the purchase. My response is pretty standard. I say, you know, God is driving this thing. I'm just glad to be on the bus. I'm just glad to be a member and just to be a participant in what is already happening. So we'll be inviting you to participate in that as well. All right. We're going to start a new series today called Under the Influence. Under the Influence. And I want to start the sermon today by asking you two questions. The first question I do not want you to answer out loud. Okay? Don't answer the first question out loud. Just answer it in your mind. Don't raise your hand when I ask this question. All right? This is the one time I'm going to say, do not participate. Do not respond. Here's the first question. Are you ready? You didn't even want to respond to that. Okay, here's the, here's the first question. How many of you, do not respond. How many of you have made a regrettable decision? Have done something that you wish you hadn't? Had said something that you wish you had not said? Had had a thought or a behavior or conduct that you wish you had not done while under the influence of a foreign substance? Do not volunteer to raise your hand for that. Just answer it in your mind, okay? Don't even look at the person next to you, all right? Don't even look, right? Some of you are like, it wasn't a foreign substance. It was a domestic. Anheuser-Busch is made in the same, yeah. So, so, but, but you know what I mean. How many of you, okay. Now, now here's one you can answer. This is the second question. Second question is this. How many of you have a friend? How many of you have a friend or family member or somebody that you know, distant acquaintance, distant cousin who may have made some bad decisions while under the influence of a foreign substance. Anybody, anybody with me on that? Anybody knows somebody who has made some bad life choices, right? Um, don't, don't get scared guys. I'm not, this is not going to be a sermon series about, um, intoxication, alcohol, beer, wine, drugs, and all that kind of thing. It's actually about a different kind of influence, but the apostle Paul, when he's talking about, uh, the, the, the other kind of influence that we're going to be talking about, he uses a contrast and comparison to the kind of influence that some people uh, put themselves under because what they want out of it is they want joy. They want happiness. They want confidence. They want peace. And they put themselves under an influence that doesn't actually provide that. Or it provides it for a very short period of time, but not for a long time. And in fact, after it provides it, it brings you back down uh, to, to where you were before. Whatever troubles you were trying to escape before, turns out that they're still there. And then sometimes they're even worse. Right? But we're not, we're not really talking about that because what all of us know is that the, the, the being under the influence of some other substance does not actually bring us joy and fulfillment and peace. And I'm not saying, in fact, there are some people in our congregation who even a tiny bit, if they have a, a if they have a, um, a, you know, alcoholism, if even just a tiny bit will mess them up. Um, many people are able to moderate what they do, but, but some people can't even do that. Um, in fact, all of us know people, friends, family, like I said, who have been negatively impacted. So what I did today is, is I made a list for you. These are the top 10, th- top 10 things. I made a top 10 list. These are top 10 things you will never hear people say about drugs and alcohol. These are just top 10 things, okay? 
Number one, if only I had a little more to drink last night, I'd feel great today. You just won't hear, you just won't hear that. Number two, man, I sure do make great life choices when I'm stoned. You just don't, you just rarely hear that kind of thing. Number three, honey, be sure to get high before you take the SAT. You just, it's just something you generally don't hear. <laughs> I thought these were funny. Does anybody, I, I made, I've worked a long time on these, okay? Number four, I always do a few shots of tequila before neurosurgery. If you do hear that, you should get up off that hospital bed right now. Number five, things you don't hear. Alcohol saved our marriage. You just don't hear that very often. Number six. Wow, I sure, miss, I, I sure wish my husband smoked more weed. You just don't hear that as a general rule. I sure wish my wife drank more vodka. That's number seven. I had to get everybody on that one. I had to get the husbands and the wives. Um, number eight. You know, I'll always look fondly back on my meth days. You just don't hear that statement very often. Number nine. I sure do love my beer bod. Okay, I thought, I didn't know if that was going to be funny or not, but number 10, top 10, top 10 things you never hear people say about drugs and alcohol. Man, I miss crack. You just don't hear that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right? The, the apostle Paul tells us something, uh, in, in, in the epistles that he wants us to know. And what he knows about us is that we want to experience, like I said, joy, happiness. We want to be unfettered. We want to experience freedom. We want all of this. And the apostle Paul says, I want you to experience all of that, but I want you to experience the real thing. I don't want you to experience the counterfeit. I want you to experience the real thing. And then in, in, in Ephesians chapter five, he says this, do not get drunk with wine. He says, which leads to reckless action, but be filled by the spirit, be filled by the Spirit. So I'm not going to spend the next several weeks talking about drugs and alcohol, just so you know. I'm going to be talking for the next several weeks about what it looks like, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What is the impact that that has on your life when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit? You get to experience strength and confidence, joy and power, unlike anything you've ever done. When your life, your heart, your mind, your soul, your body is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may be asking today, what does that even mean? What does that, what does that look like? What does that even, what is he even talking about under the influence of the Holy Spirit? So what I want to do is I want to take you back to the launch of the church, to the most significant moment in the history of the church. This happened about 50 days after the weekend that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Uh, it was during a festival, a Jewish festival called the Festival of Pentecost. Some of you have heard that phrase, Pentecost. Uh, and what that means, the word actually means 50th. Because this festival took place 50 days after Passover. And before this festival, Jesus had told his followers, he said, listen, I want you to go and I want you to pray and I want you to spend time waiting because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture teaches us that the early followers of Jesus, this is after he was, after he died, was buried, rose from the dead. He, he met with his followers. He got his followers together and he said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit that is going to come. And then what I'm going to read to you now is the event itself. This is from Acts chapter two. Uh, normally we have the scriptures on the, on the screen. So if you want to follow along on, online or on your, in your own Bible, uh, you can follow along. This is from Acts chapter two, verse 38. It says this. 
It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and they were all in one place. And suddenly it says, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. So I want you to imagine this. There's a group of followers of Jesus. Jesus has died, buried, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. All of the followers of Jesus are praying together. And suddenly, they're in this room praying together outside of Jerusalem on the second floor. And this sound, like a rushing mighty wind, comes blasting into the room. It just comes blasting into the space. Now, I was going to illustrate this for you this morning with a leaf blower. Jameson, just bring that leaf blower up here for a minute. I was like, how do I illustrate this? But here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hedge my bets this morning because this might start and this might not start. We were having some technical stuff today. So I'm going to save all of you who didn't want your hair blown back. I was literally going to turn this on and blow it at you, but I'm not going to do it. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Wisdom, wisdom. It was, it was a powerful moment. It was a powerful event. This sound came rushing into uh, the room and the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit came upon them and then something very powerful and strange and unique happened. Because it was the festival of Pentecost, there were people from all over the, the world, Jews from all over every different continent, Africa, Asia, Europe, all different uh, nationalities, tribes, and tongues had gathered together. All of those in that Middle Eastern area, people from every walk of life, every dialect, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every ethnicity had come together for the Feast of Pentecost. And when the power came upon the people in that room, the scripture says that they began to speak the gospel. They began to praise God in the languages of the individuals who had come from all over the world. Some of you know this story. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful story. It's the launch of the church. And they began to speak in the languages of the individuals who had come. So you've got all these people from all around the planet. And they're hearing the gospel spoken in their own language. And, and the scripture says that many of them became believers. In fact, thousands of them became believers. Because this was, this, Jesus' followers were a small group of Galileans. There were about 120 of them in that room. They were Galileans. These were not highly educated people with language skills from around the planet. These were local folks from Galilee, but suddenly they're articulating the gospel in these other languages that they'd never learned. And, and thousands of people came to follow Jesus on that day. But how many of you know sometimes there's, there's, there's a few haters in the crowd? There's always, there's always a few haters in the crowd. Scripture says this, some, however, Acts 2.13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. That was the criticism. The criticism was, you know what? I don't know how these people are acting this way. They must be drunk. They must be under the influence. Peter, who I love, we, we talked about Peter last week, Peter says, man, I need to, I need to rise up and defend us. I need to rise up and defend what's going on here because this, nobody's drunk here. He said, he says, I'm going to tell people what's going on. So in verse 14, it says, Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd and he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. He says, let me explain to you what is going on. He says, listen carefully to what I say. Verse 15 says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. And then he gives the evidence. He says, it's only nine in the morning. I mean, he, he's literally saying, now look, I'm not saying they might not have a nip at 4 p.m., but it's nine in the morning right now, people. These folks are not drunk as you suppose. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter is saying, look, they're not under the influence of a substance. They're under the influence of the spirit. They're not under the influence of wine. They're under the influence of the one. Something has gotten into their heart. Something has transformed their life. Something has empowered them and gifted them. And that is what you are seeing here today. You are seeing the manifestation of the spirit in their life. So the question for us is, what does it look like for us, for followers of Jesus, when we are under the influence of the spirit? What do, what does our life look like? What is the evidence that our life is under the influence of the spirit? Well, let me walk you through a few scriptures here because the, the scripture is really, really clear about what it looks like when a follower of Jesus lives a life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, before this event happened, Jesus told his followers when he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he said. This is from Acts chapter one, verse eight. He said, you will receive power. Somebody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Luke 24, there's another instance where it, where Jesus is telling them about sending the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Somebody say power. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Somebody say power. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Somebody say power. power. Ephesians three sixteen. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Ephesians three twenty and 21. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. And second Timothy one seven one seven says, for God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here's what, here's what I want to tell you this morning. The evidence of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is power. That's the evidence that you are operating under the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this question. And you've probably never been asked this question before. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you powerful? You don't have to answer that, but just think about it. Are you powerful? Now, let me explain what I don't mean and what I do mean by that. What I don't mean is, do you have a bunch of titles next to your name? What I don't mean is, do you have political clout? What I don't mean is, uh, do you oversee a, a major corporation? What I don't mean is, is, do you have earthly power? Because that's not what I'm talking about. There are a lot of people with earthly power that are spiritually weak, that are spiritually powerless. I want to know, do you have power? And what I mean by that is, do you have power over your own thoughts? Do you have power over your own actions? Do you have power to withstand temptation? Do you have power to stand strong in the face of opposition? 
Do you have power to withstand adversity when it is coming at you from every direction? Do you have power to know that you are grounded in Christ, that you are grounded in God? Do you have power in your own life? Because if you have that kind of power, that means you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you power. I I spend a little time today with one of the most, not today, uh, on Friday, with one of the most powerful human beings I've ever met. And a lot of you know her. She's about a 92-year-old woman named Mother Ray. Some of y'all know Mother Ray. Mother Ray's body is frail right now. Her health is not strong. And I spent some time with her uh, at, at, um, at Pamela, at her daughter's house on Friday. And her body was not strong. Her body was weak. But I want to tell you something. That woman is so powerful. She has got more power in this little frail body than almost anybody else I've ever met in my life because her life is soaked and saturated in the Holy Spirit. She walks in the Spirit. She thinks in the Spirit. She talks in the Spirit. She prays in the Spirit. Everything. She was, she was experiencing physical pain when I was with her. And she just squeezed my hand and she said, Lord's got me. The Lord's got me. The Lord's got me. This is a person who has power. So the question that I have for you is, are you powerful? Are, are you grounded in the immense and eternal power of the Holy Spirit? Of God's indefinite, immeasurable power. Do you have access to that for your life? Because if you don't, then I'd like Paul want to say to you, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit because the presence of the Spirit in your life is power. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Jaden, hand me that sign real quick. I have this, um, I have this, oh wow, awesome. Thank you guys. That is fantastic. I'm going to start all over. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, okay. I have this sign out in front of my house. This is an ADT sign. This is a sign that says, uh, you know, that my house is secured. And what this sign actually symbolizes is power. Because what happens is if you break into my house, please don't. But if you did, then what would happen is the alarm that is identified by this sign triggers. And when you, when that alarm triggers, it goes to the police department, University Police Department. And the police department, with all of the power of the police department, and all of the power of the justice system behind them, and all the power of the state behind them, will show up at the door and exert some power in that situation, right? The sign isn't powerful, but it represents power, right? There's power behind it. The reason I know this is because one night when we got home, I accidentally set off the alarm in my house. And I, I thought I had turned it off in time. But you only have a certain amount of time. But I, I didn't turn it off in time. But I thought I did. And a few minutes later, I'm standing at my front door. And we have like this little window out my front door. And I just saw police cars flying up and down the street. And I'm like looking out the window. I go, wow. Man, something's going on in the neighborhood, guys. There's police cars everywhere. I mean, they're just flying up and down the street. Pretty soon I saw police officers getting out of their car and they're like running up and down the sidewalk. I'm like, wow, seems like it's really close. Something is really happening somewhere in this neighborhood. Somewhere near here is happening. They're all running up and down the street. They're still looking out the window and then they start running up on my yard and onto my porch. I'm like, wow, (laughs) it's real close. 
what's going on? Bang, 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 bang. You know, please. So I opened the door and, uh, man, they were, they were, they were fired up. They were worked up. Apparently there had been a shooting earlier, uh, in another, in another neighborhood, but they were fired up. And when they got there, man, they were ready to go. And there was a lot of power and I didn't want that power directed at me. So I was real, uh, you know, like that lamb last week, I was real, just like whatever you guys need. <laughs> um, there's a lot of power there. Now here's the, here's the reality. We worked it out by the way. I told him, you know, it's all good. Um, here's the reality. I can still have this sign in my yard, even if it wasn't hooked up to a security system. And then I would have a symbol of power, but I wouldn't have the substance of power. And if somebody tried to break into my house, they would look at that sign and say, maybe there's power, maybe there's not. And they would break into my house. If I, if I didn't have the alarm, if I wasn't connected, right, they'd break into my house and there would be no power. There's an, there's an emblem of power, but there's no essence of power. All right, there's a facade of power, but there's no power in fact. A lot of followers of Jesus, a lot of Christians have a sign of power, right? We say that we're a Christian. We say that we're a follower of Jesus. We put the bumper sticker on. We wear the t-shirt. We got the fish on our, on our, on our car. We got all the symbols and we put it out there, but there's not power behind it. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? And, and what the apostle Paul is saying to, to us is, I want you to have the power. I want you to actually experience the real thing and have the power of the Holy Spirit working and operating in your life. Because when you have that power, it changes things. What does it change? What does it change? When you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you have power over your past. You have power over your past. Anybody remember, uh, anybody know the, 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 the fighter Ronda Rousey? Does anybody remember that name? Does anybody know that name? She became kind of like a household name a few years, a few years ago. Uh, she was an incredible athlete. She is an incredible athlete. She, she was, um, the first American woman to ever win a medal in, uh, in judo in the Olympics. A medal in, she won like a bronze medal. She was just an incredible athlete. And then she became a, um, a fighter, a mixed martial artist. And she was just, just incredible. I mean, just everybody that she competed against, she just destroyed. She had 15 wins in a row on her amateur and professional record. 15 wins. And only one of them went past the first round. I mean, this, this, this young woman was just a phenom of fitness and power. She was just, uh, she, she would, she would, she would pin, she would put people out of their misery in 14 seconds. If you look at her record, 14 seconds, 26 seconds, she would submit her opponent. She was just incredible. She's a very, very powerful athlete. And then a few years ago, she fought a, a, a fighter named, uh, Holly Holm. And Holly Holm, um, was a boxer and Holly Holm defeated Ronda Rousey. Some of you that follow MMA, there's like, there's like three people in here going, yep, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. So. We're going to get a life group together, fellas. Okay, all right. Um, so, so she got defeated by Holly Holm. Her body recovered from that defeat. Her conditioning recovered. Her speed recovered. Her strength recovered. But something didn't recover. Her mind never recovered from that, from that defeat. Her mind wrote a different script after that failure. And that script said, I can't win now. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the highest ranked female fighter on the planet retired. 
because no longer in her heart, in her mind, did she believe that she could go on. Do you know some people right now are powerless in the present because of some pain in your past? Do you know what I'm talking about, somebody? There was some failure, some hurt, some heartache that happened in your past. And even though you are totally capable of, you have full faculties, a body and mind, something is keeping you from having power in your present because of the pain in your past. Something about that pain in your past wrote a script. And your life is now the movie of that script. And your life is saying, I don't have power. I'm a powerless person. I can't do it. I'm weak. I'm frail. I'm fragile. I cannot do what I've been called to do. I cannot accomplish the things that God wants me to accomplish. And the reason we don't do it is because we had a failure in the past and we can't put our minds right. We can't believe that we can actually move forward into the future because we are, we are still suffering from that pain in our past. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what the, what the scripture teaches us. Uh, about that. If, if you haven't followed, uh, if you haven't read, if you haven't read the scripture, I just want you to soak this in. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Somebody, new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. When you experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm a testimony to this. When you, when you when you allow Christ in your life and you put your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he rewrites the script. Some of y'all need a new script this morning. You've been living under the pain of your past and God's saying, you are a new creature. You are fresh and new. I have made you a new. I've made you brand new. I've rewritten the script. I want you to experience that. I, I don't want the pain of your past to continue making you powerless in the present. I want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the reality. God knows, and we talked about this last week with Peter. God knows all of your failures. He knows your addictions. He knows your shame. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your, 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 your foibles. He knows your flaws. He knows every single time you did and said and thought anything that you know you shouldn't have done or said or thought. He knows it. And he's not holding it against you. Isn't it amazing to be known, fully known and fully loved at the same time? I, I got to tell you, that is a, a powerful experience. When you are completely known for all of your flaws and failures and you are completely loved at the same time. God is saying to us today, he says, I, don't, I, I want you to have power over your past. And the way to do that is to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Live your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit why? Because when you are overcome the pain of your past and you have power over your past, then and only then can you begin to experience the power for your purpose. Power for your purpose. I think I've told this story once before, but my son, uh, Lincoln, is, he's an artist. He's a maker. He just makes stuff. He just generates creative content. Anywhere he is, if you, you know, give him a paper clip and he'll have like a model airplane, all, you know, it'll just be like, wait, how did you do that? The guy just creates stuff. He just makes stuff all of the time. And one time I stopped him. I said, I said, he had made something. I said, Lincoln, I said, how do you, how do you come up with this? 
Like, I cannot do this. This is not my, that's not the way my brain works. How do you do this? How do you come up with, with all of this amazing stuff? And I will never forget, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll probably use this illustration 10 more times over the next decade. Here's what he said to me. He said, Dad, and he was like seven, seven or eight. He said, Dad, when I see something, I see it in two ways. This is exactly verbatim. I see it in two ways. He said, I see it for what it is, and I see it for what it can be. And then he said, I'll give you an example. He said, when I see a bottle cap, (laughs) he said, I see a bottle cap. He said, I also see a shield for a tiny warrior. And I was like, let me tell you something. God sees you for what you are. And God sees you for what you can be. He sees you right now the way you are right now. He knows everything that's going on in your life. But he actually made you for a purpose that's greater than the purpose that you are living out on your own. He made you for a higher purpose and he sees you in that higher purpose. That's why when he talks to Gideon, we see the script, the scriptures when he, he calls out to Gideon, who's hiding in a wine press, afraid of the Midianites, trembling in fear, thinks that he is the lowest person in his family with a family that's the lowest uh, family in the tribe. And the, and, and the tribe is the, is the lowest uh, tribe in the nation. God calls to Gideon and says, you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty warrior. Why? Because in that moment, he's not a mighty warrior. But God sees him for what he is, and he sees him for what he can be. When he sees David out in the field with bare feet and throwing rocks at bears, right? He sees him for what he is, a lowly shepherd boy, and he sees him with a crown on his head leading a nation. When he sees Peter, this temperamental fisherman who can't keep his mouth shut, he sees him for what he is, and he sees him as the rock upon which he's going to build his church. Come on, somebody, help me out this morning. God sees you for what you are, and God sees you for what he wants you to be. The scripture says this, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to be filled with the power to overcome your past. I want you to be filled with the power to pursue your purpose in Christ. I I invited you to join our dream team earlier, uh, earlier this morning during the announcements. And, and, and let me just tell you what, what that means for us. All of us who serve in some capacity, we know that in our heart of hearts, The greatest fulfillment in life comes when we serve somebody else out of the source of the strength that God gave us. That will fulfill you more than anything on the planet. It's more fulfilling than anything you can imagine. When you are serving somebody else with a gift that God has given you to the glory of God with all your strength, that will transform your life. Somebody just needs to do, just that's your only takeaway from today's sermon. Serve somebody with your strength, don't serve somebody in an area that you're not strong in. If you're not, if you're not strong with math, don't become an accountant. Okay? Just don't do it because you'll mess them up, you'll mess you up, and it's not good. What has God made you to do? 
Discovering, developing, and deploying your gifts will bring you greater fulfillment than you can imagine. And God will give you the power to do it because he built you for a purpose. You are his masterpiece designed to actually do good works that he planned for us to do long ago. He's made you for it. So here's the question that a lot of us ask. Okay, great. God, you know, has this spirit, this Holy Spirit, and like, it's going to give me power to do the things that he wants me to do and power over my own life and power. So, so how do I, how do I get it? And, and where do I get it? And what does it even look like to get it? Let me just tell you this. The scripture teaches us that when you become a follower of Jesus, when you put your faith in him, then you actually have that power in the present. Let me just tell you this. The thing that you are looking for, you already have. The thing that you desire, he has already placed in your heart. He has already sealed it in your life. When you put your faith in Jesus, it's there. Let me give you one more illustration. A while back, I was on, I was on the, I was on the phone with my wife. And we're talking on the phone. And she wanted me to, she wanted me to, um, to give her, to, to send, uh, somebody's, uh, number to her, to text somebody's number to her. So we're talking on the phone like this. I hope my phone doesn't ring. Let me put it on silent. Um, and, 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 and Rebecca and I are talking on the phone and, uh, she says, can you text me this person's number? And I go, yeah, yeah, sure. And so, um, we're talking and I'm like looking around. I'm looking under pillows and I'm like looking under blankets and I'm like scooting things over in the kids' clothes and everything. I'm like that. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just looking for my phone. Some of you have done that. Please tell me. Your glasses are on your head, just so you know, if you look for them. Right when I said, I'm like, hmm. I was about to say, I'm looking for my phone into my phone. I was about to say that, right? The reality is this. You have what you need. God has already poured it out upon you. It's in you. It's on you. You just have to access it. You just have to welcome it. You just have to fill your life with it. You just have to open up your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit who is already in you. Stop trying to get what you already got, somebody. Stop trying to reach outside of you and get something that God has already put inside of you. I'm going to read you the scriptures on this. I'm going to close. Ephesians 1.13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in him, the promised, uh, the, the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. God has placed in your heart the power that you are desiring to access. And what I'm calling you to do over the next few weeks, what God is calling, what the scriptures are calling you to do is to be filled by the spirit. Allow your life to be filled with the spirit that is already there. The well is full. Just drink from it. God is already there. He's in you. He's with you.
You say, okay, well, how do I, how do I access it? One of the things that Jesus said, and I, I, I love this metaphor. He turned to a bunch of, a, a bunch of his, not only just his followers, but other people that were kind of standing around and they were asking him about this very question. And he said, listen, some of you are parents. Some of you are fathers. Some of you are mothers. He said, if your child asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? No. If you, if he asked you for an egg, would you give him a snake? Would you give him a scorpion? You wouldn't do that. And then he says, and you know, I know, I know how you all are. You're, you know, you're, you're not that great of parents. You know, you're okay. You're trying hard, but, but even you wouldn't do something that bad. How much more, he said, will the, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? They just, just open your heart and say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. Strengthen me, empower me, embolden me to live out the life that you've called me to live. God, fill me with your power. Let me experience the power that washes away my sin. Let me experience the power that washes away my past. Let me experience the power that washes away all of my shame, all of my heartbreak, all of my... Let me experience that power, Father. Let the Holy Spirit pour into me. Let me be filled. When, when, when the Apostle Paul uses that word filled, it doesn't mean that you were empty and then you were, and then you were filled. It means you were filled and you were being continually filled. It means the filling just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. I, I, I would say if you're a follower of Jesus, pray that every day. Let me walk in your spirit today, Father. Let me be filled with your spirit today. Let me be focused on you. Let my mind be filled with your spirit. Because the fruit of that is love and joy and peace and patience. The stuff that comes out of you is the good stuff. Because now you have the power of the spirit operating within you. I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying for you over the next several weeks that you and me, that us, that we as a church would find ourselves operating so deeply under the influence of the Holy Spirit that God's power gives us power to love the unlovable. It gives us power over the pain of our past. It gives us power to fulfill the purposes that he's planned for us. It gives us power to overcome the pain. It gives us power to transform our city. It gives us power to transform our community. It gives us power to, to lean in and bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I am going to be praying for me and for you. So for the next several weeks, I just want you to come and I want you to participate online, Shaw, U City. And we're going to open our hearts and we're going to say, God, fill us with your power. Let us be under the influence of your spirit. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your spirit. We're grateful for the gift of salvation that you have poured out upon us. We're grateful that you have filled our hearts and minds and lives with the Spirit. We're so grateful, Lord God, that we have access to your power in our own lives. That we, even though we can't imagine it because we get our lives so caught up in carnal things, in cultural moments, in, 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 in the life of the flesh, that we just really can't imagine that that we could tap into your great power and live out the life that you've called us to live. Let us, Father, be like Gideon who, who obeyed you when you called him a mighty warrior, even though he felt like a coward. 
Let us be like David who obeyed you and began to walk in the spirit, even though he's just a shepherd and you called him to defeat a giant and to wear a crown. Help us to be like Peter who, who even in his failure and in, even in his flaws saw the redemptive power of your spirit and responded and obeyed you and began to walk in the power of the spirit and help to usher in the great outpouring of the spirit that occurred and launched the church all those years ago. Father, let us be who you've called us to be. Let us be filled with the power of your spirit. Let us live under the influence of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.